Can a teen's seemingly innocent use of social media bring unintended consequences like social deficiencies or even depression and anxiety? Today on The Pulse, we'll talk to an expert who's been looking into this. This is the Yukon Health Pulse, a podcast to help you get to know Yukon Health and its people a little better, and hopefully leave you with some health information you'll find useful. With Carolyn Pennington, I'm Chris DeFrancesco. Human connection has taken on some different meanings over the last decade, perhaps magnified over the last year as we've largely been in all in this together but separately mode. And for many of us, staying connected has become a way of life. For many among the current generation of adolescents and young adults, it's the only way of life they know. What kind of impact could high volumes of social media screen time be having on these still developing brains? Dr. Jayesh Kamath runs Yukon Health's Mood and Anxiety Disorders Program, and he joins us today to talk about it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So you've been doing some research in this area. Let's start off by just uh, finding out what you're studying and what have you observed so far. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for kind words. Uh, we have been uh, running some interesting studies, and especially at our Yukon. Uh, Stores campus, which is students of very early age and young age, and the study is studies have been looking at association between depression and several different aspects of people's lives. If we can actually predict depression uh, in the students, uh, if it if if the depression goes gets better or worse, based on their behaviors. And one of the behaviors we, we looked at is, in fact, their use of smartphones um, in their daily lives. Uh, and the way we kind of look at that is we have an app that goes on their smartphone. It tracks many different things just passively. It just sits there, tracks with their consent. And so what did you find out? So we had some, um, so just to be clear, we didn't look at if use of smartphones more or less is the cause or the consequence of depression. I would say what we exactly looked at is association. Can we say if somebody is using their smartphone in a certain way, and especially these young students, can we predict if they have depression or if they're depression is getting worse or better if they already have established depression. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because what, what we did is we send them these questionnaires, depression questionnaires, every two weeks to see where the, their depression is. And during those weeks, we are tracking a lot of their smartphone, uh, smartphone use. The most interesting thing we found uh, in, in our studies is if these students, first of all, what time of the day? It seems like if they're using their phones late at night, even if the use is equal between the two groups, if the ones that were using their phones late at night clearly had an association with depression in general and more depression severity. Not a surprise for a psychiatrist, because <laughs> that's what we know. Insomnia is one of the major symptoms of depression. But it's interesting that we can actually capture that in a behavior 
on a smartphone. There was actually, I would say, equal use of smartphones between the ones who had depression versus who didn't. Uh, the overall also the amount of time they're on their phone exactly was the same was the same mm. almost the same. There was a little bit more in in the ones that were depressed, but the ones who had depression had quite a bit use also. It's it just a different time of the day. The other big difference we found uh, in terms of what kind of smartphone use, um, we had two major categories: communicative versus non-communicative use. And in the communicative use, there is more of really interacting with your family, your friends, um, by via social media, via text, via emails, via phone calls, um, talking with people. Non-communicative, more of watching videos, shopping, and a lot of gaming, actually. Um, just simply gaming. Um, and and we, what we found was the ones who had depression clearly were isolating themselves. They were not talking. Um, they were not communicating. Their use was almost similar to the other group, but it was a lot more use of the smartphone was similar. But the use, the specific use, was more for, for non-communicative purposes. Dr. J.S. Kamath from the Yukon Health's Mood and Anxiety Disorders Center. One part I'm really interested in hearing about is that differentiation between the communication seems to help with the depression. I would have gone into this interview thinking too much communication or too much reliance on social media could actually cause depression because, for example, I might be uh, a 17-year-old and I'm on social media and I see what everyone else is doing and I think, oh, this is how life's supposed to be and they're having so much fun and I'm not and that's going to put me down a bad path. Um, but it surprises me that what you're finding, it almost goes the other way. So there must be some level of balance between how much you're using it and all kinds of other factors and you can't pinpoint all of them. But talk a little bit about that. But I think you're right. Uh, so I think what we didn't look at is what kind of communications? Even yeah, because couldn't they yeah. still just be scrolling through their feed and seeing all this and getting depressed? They might not be communicating with their friends, but they're looking at all of the posts. That's a great point. And thinking, wow, you know, everybody's at a party that I'm not at. <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't I invited? Yeah, and, and that might be true. And I think if I had to hypothesize <laughs> in what kind of communication, if they're actually talking with their friends, mm -hmm. I think that probably is good. That they're, they're, they feel close to somebody and they're talking. Just in the real life, we know when people have depression or their depression gets worse, they pull back and they can't even if they want to because it's just coming from inside. And we push them. As psychiatrists and psychologists, we, we, we try to incorporate them talking with their friends. But you're right, there is a possibility they're on social media, they're looking at these celebrities, other things, where influencers, and they feel, oh God, I don't have that, and I don't have that one, and I don't have that one. That might be bad. And I think uh, that's the future for research in terms of what we need to look at. Now, we have these general categories, 
but we need to really get get to the meat get get to find out what kind of communication because we can actually use that in our treatment because that's that's the next thing we aspire to is not only just look at that as a relation to depression but if people are less depressed because they're communicating with their friends how can we use that yeah as part of our treatment how can because as you said this generation is growing on smartphones that's for sure so we need to adjust ourselves as mental health providers to incorporate that in our practices well I think the time of day too is is big like you were talking about earlier that you know if they're really if, if it's in the middle of the night and they're on their phone just playing a game or whatever plus it just impacts sleep so much right all the studies say the screen um, the light from the oh, screen. oh it's a vicious you, cycle yeah and because insomnia and I think I think it's a treatment target in a way because the fact is insomnia is part of depression so they might not be able to shut down and they're trying to do anything they can to engage themselves it's not that they want to but they're wide awake and they can't help it um, so I, I think so those are the things we need to look at how to make that go away so they can get good night's sleep for example dr jayesh kameth from yukon health's mood and anxiety disorders program one of the things that I can't help think about is even if communicating more on the smartphone helps perhaps, and again, we're, we're just to make clear, we're not showing that it causes or doesn't cause depression. We're showing an association, yeah. right? So even if it seems as though there's more of a relationship between communication and better outcomes in terms of anxiety and depression, I wonder how much is, if I'm communicating or if a teenager is communicating too much with his or her friends, exclusively using the phone to do that, texting, social media, how does that impair that person's ability to communicate and have real face-to-face, person-to-person relationships that, from that point in life and moving forward? Because I'd worry about that. Oh, oh, I think you're absolutely right there because uh, this is a new age and, and we don't know the answers to that. They need to navigate in their life and all the challenges they're going to have when they grow up, they work in a team. Yes, sitting in a room with people and, and working on a project. There are challenges that's gonna, that are gonna come up. And, and some of that you learn growing up. They're not, you're right, they're not learning that. Right. And, and we don't even know the answers because this is a huge experiment that's ongoing. And in terms of conflict resolution or civil discourse, there's no there's no training for that, right? You just anonymously post a comment that can be incendiary, and you never really know how to like have a civilized discussion if you don't agree on something. And I think that's another thing that this generation, I don't know, I'd be worried about. And and, and to build to build on that thought, I think the worst thing that some of these social media apps do that's part of how they work is they have algorithms and you look at a certain kind of news they will keep on building on that news and feed you very similar and even more insidious information 
if you're looking at that right. and never present you the other side. <laughs> And that is a problem. And you see in our society kind of where that can lead us. I mean, we see real life examples of that. Yeah. From the study and, you know, from the results that you have gathered so far, are there any tips that you could give students, young adults who know that they may have issues with, you know, phone use and and anxiety and depression? Any just lifestyle tips? Any any, any advice? So, as I say about everything in life, anything that's done in extreme is bad, uh, but not necessarily everything is bad if it's not done in extremes. Uh, So with this new generation, we want to be careful that we don't punish them or say their smartphone or social media use is all bad. There has to be limitations. There are clearly studies that have shown too much use is bad. Uh, but but I, I think, for example, as I said, if they're talking with their friends, that's probably a good thing because they're not talking in person with their friends. So this is their only social contact, especially in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. But you want to make sure they're talking with their friends and <laughs> not getting bullied. Because, yes, I have seen that with my own children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, not, not, not them, but their friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, we want to make sure that because especially at that age, they are very vulnerable. They want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And they will take all kinds of abuse to fit in and not tell parents, not tell teachers. And you really want to keep your eyes out for that and, and make sure that none of that is happening for, for your children, but also for others. Mm-hmm. And encourage that in person or phone call instead of just passive. Yes. Yes, the passive phone, use. But hey, why don't you, you know, actually call your friend? Yes. <laughs> instead of just. Yeah, and the passive use is bad. That's what we saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, once again, to a certain extent, it's okay to let them uh, because that is the culture mm-hmm. um, within their generation. Uh, yeah. But really, you want to restrict that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Dr. Jayesh Kamath from the Yukon Health Mood and Anxiety Disorders Program, thank you so much for your time today. It's been very insightful. That is our time for today. And for Dr. Jayesh Kamath and Carolyn Pennington, I'm Chris DeFrancesco. Thank you for listening to the Yukon Health Pulse. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch us next time. And please share with a friend.